0: Hello everybody, thank you. Um, so I'd just like to begin uh, by thanking the organisers uh, today. I'm very uh, honoured to be included as, as a speaker um, in the Royal Irish Academy. So this afternoon I'm briefly going to present the preliminary results um, from our ongoing excavations at Rockhorn Enclosure, a national monument overlooking the town of in Glaston County, Wicklow. The research is of course uh, being funded by the National Monument Service Administered by the Royal Ash Academy. So at this point I would just like to acknowledge their continuing um, support uh, to the project. So uh, Rakhorn is one of a cluster of nine hill forts and hilltop enclosures located close to the town of Balton, Glass County Wicklow. The hill forts overlook the town and the Slaney River, on the highest point of a series of prominent hills of the southwestern part of the Wicklow Mountains. The vaulting glass uh, group or the cluster is unique and includes some of the largest hill forts known in Ireland. The landscape was recently the subject of a detailed survey and excavation by Professor William O'Brien in UCC. Uh, sample excavation and radiocarbon dating at five of the nine hilltop enclosures and hill forts provide new information on the chronology of these sites. So I won't go into too much detail on the Bronze Age forts uh, of Balton Glass. Uh, I would just like to focus really uh, on um, our excavations uh, today. So our excavations are taking place on Balton Glass Hill. Um, it's known as Tuckmill Hill um, but also Glass Hill um, by, the, by the local community. There are three large enclosures um, on this prominent hill at the centre, really, of the Glass uh, group. Uh, so here you can see our Tuckmill Hill or Glass Hill there. So the northern summit is surrounded by um, Ratnegree Hill Fort here. At the southeastern summit is enclosed by Shrahan. Enclosure just down here, and um, uh, our hillfort at the summit of, uh, uh, of Tuckmill Hill is Rackhorn Hillfort, the, the site of our excavations. These two enclosures have been um, examined archaeologically uh, by UCC, Professor William O'Brien, and I'll just uh, go through uh, those excavations here, those other enclosures on Tuckmill Hill. Uh, one of them was Sherhawn. Um, which uh, excavation confirmed the presence of two ditches directly inside the remains of a low um, stone bank. There are indications of intense burning at the base of this bank from which a charcoal sample was dated uh, to the late Bronze Age. The unusual shape and non-defensive nature of this enclosure led Professor Miller O'Brien to suggest that it should not be included as one of the um, hill forts and it possibly represents a small Uh, animal enclosure uh, may be related to ratnegree Hillfort itself. Uh, Ratnegree then um, uh, was excavated uh, in 2014 and uncovered evidence of post-built palisades on all enclosures um, supported by low stone walling. The fence lines were subsequently burnt down after which only the middle enclosure was rebuilt with a bank ditch counterscarp uh, arrangement uh, which you can just see there. The dating evidence indicates that the hill fort uh, is, uh, was constructed between 1400 and 1200 BC uh, between the Middle and Late Bronze Age periods. rockhorn then, the site of our excavations, uh, is the largest of the three enclosures on Tuckmill. Located on the highest spur of the hill, around 365 metres above sea level. It is a pear-shaped, bivalent monument, occupies a total area of about 10 hectares. Um, It is is defined by two uh, ramparts, uh, 11 to 35 metres apart. Between the enclosing elements uh, on the northern and southern um, sides are a series of prominent quarry pits, so you can see them along here between the two enclosing elements, which have been previously interpreted as evidence that the site is an unfinished hill fort. This may have been the location of an unfinished ditch between the, the two banks. They comprise shallow rectangular um, depressions that mostly are about the inside of the outer bank, the inside of the outer bank here. A passage tomb is recorded at the centre of the monument, here, while a cairn is located just out the southern uh, enclosing element on the southern side. The largest and the most complete section of the hill fort is in the north and northwestern sides on this side of the hill fort. Here the inner bank is a maximum of 2.8 metres high and about 12 metres wide. Uh, The outer bank is about 2 metres high and about 8 metres wide. Scholars have interpreted the site of Rackhorn um, as an unfinished hill fort. Uh, due to the incomplete nature of of the banks, uh, the the breaks in the circuit and the intervening uh, quarry pits. Others have suggested that the breaks in the enclosing elements are deliberate and it possibly represents the site of a causewayed early Neolithic enclosure. So, um, prior to excavation it was difficult really to ascribe a date to the site uh, without uh, excavation. So our project then um, aimed to provide greater clarity to one of the most impressive uh, monuments of the hill fort um, of the Balting glass group. So the central aim of the excavation was really to date the monument by focusing on the enclosing elements uh, of the the hill fort. Uh, We wanted to understand how it was constructed and at what period. Four trenches have been excavated at Rackhorn over three um, three seasons, beginning in 2017. These cuttings, as I said, focused on the enclosing elements, uh, with a single trench then this year uh, investigating the possibility of internal occupation uh, on the site. So this is trench four. So two trenches on the inner enclosure, one trench this year on the outer enclosure and uh, another trench. The in, in the interior, on the south southern side of the hillfort, so it was a geophysical survey really which informed the basics, at the basis of the project. Um, high magnetic readings found along the crest of the bank here um, represent the possibility of a burnt timber palisade, similar to other examples which were found by Billy O'Brien on his hillfort project, um, which were uh, interpreted as burnt timber palisades. So this really focused our attention on this side of the hill fort. Um, the, the results from the interior of the site were quite disappointing. Um, high bedrock, and so a lot of geology and the depth of the peat really wasn't um, wasn't uh, uh, good. So it was lucky that we, that we um, decided to um, um, survey the, the portion of the bank there to get those uh, readings. So based on the results of geophysics, um, the 2017 season um, aimed to recover secure dating material from this possible burnt timber palisade. Prior to excavation, um, this section of the bank measured about 2 metres high and about 8 metres wide. Um, excavation um, uncovered ev- evidence of post-built palisade supported by a low stone wall and an earthen bank. This fence line was subsequently burnt down uh, and heavily oxidized earthen bank. After a period the enclosure was rebuilt this time with um, an additional earthen stone um, bank which was overlain then with the stone mantle. And this entire stone bank was revetted by an impressive uh, stone revetment. Uh, So here you can see the primary phase um, of the hill fort, phase one, and this is the later phase where it was remodelled at a later period. So here you can see the the burning um, of that palisade in the bank section. So just to go through that in a little more detail, so the initial enclosing element comprised a low bank, Uh, made up entirely of oxidized burnt soil uh, and broken stone and several charcoal features excavated on top of the bank indicated burnt timbers that might have originally been part of a a, a light timber palisade. Alternatively they could have been they could have represent falling bracing timbers uh, between two larger posts which we didn't get during the excavation. Some of these lengths of carbonized uh, wood were intact Uh, but fully charred analysis of the timber by Dr. Susan Lyons uh, confirmed that they were of young oak. An additional spread then of of charcoal that slightly underlay the bank to the north is interpreted as a fallen fence comprised mostly of hazel rods. This is interpreted as a fallen wattle uh, panel that formed part of the palisade fence which became charred in situ at the base of the bank. Charcoal identification again by Susan Lyons uh, comprised, identified this as being 90% uh, woods hazel woods uh, that did not fully carbonize. So two charcoal samples associated with this primary phase of the hillfort were dated to the early Neolithic period. <coughs> then soon, very soon after this burning um, occurred, the enclosing element uh, was rebuilt and remodeled and this took a different form to the earlier palisade with the building of an earthen stone bank mostly of stone and this was held in place then to the north by a very large and impressive uh, stone revetment which you can see here in the slides, the stone revetment and, and the stone bank uh, related to a, another phase and here you can see just the primary phase then related to the the palisade. So we didn't get the two big posts um, of, of, of the hill fort, of the Palisade, we've, what we've actually got was the the, the paneling, the wattle paneling which had fallen um, on, the, on the low bank. So I, it's probably um, the case that these large posts will survive just outside uh, our trench So then, the central aim then of our our 2018 season of excavation was to establish whether this neolithic palisade enclosure uh, discovered in trench one continued around the entire circuit uh, of the hill and whether it was entirely destroyed by fire uh, or was it just localized to that part of the hill fort which is suggested by the geophysics. If so, this this would confirm that the entire um, um, enclosing element comprised the timber palisade Um, and it was burnt um, completely. A trench here would also confirm if the second phase of rebuilding uh, continued on this side of of the hill fort or was it abandoned as some um, archeologists interpret. The excavation revealed two lines of four post holes um, that were all sealed by uh, that same stone bank, that stone bank from from Trench 1. The post holes were positioned about 1.8 metres apart um, and with all three containing large uh, packing stones and possible evidence of, of post ramps for the erection of, of timber posts. No dating material such as charcoal was found within these post holes but we did get a, um, a nice concentration of charcoal near the lip of one of these post holes which was dated to the early Neolithic period. Doesn't really tell you much, but you can just see those post holes there, and then completely sealed by the by the stone, the later stone bank. This period two bank sealed these posts, comprising a bank of stone, quarried subsoil, and finally broken shale bedrock extracted from some unknown uh, location. There was no indication of any ditches uh, related to this inner enclosure. The entire um, earthen bank was overlain with a deposit of loose stone um, and some sub rounded uh, granite forms, suggesting that they were using um, a glacial or, or drift stone from the locale, possibly from the interior of the site. We did get one uh, radiocarbon date from the top of this bank just below the stone mantle, which was dated um, to the uh, Late Bronze Age. Uh, However, this was charcoal flecking from the top of the bank so it's not entirely secure uh, but it does indicate at least a late Bronze Age activity at the site uh, at that time. Again just like trench one, we had an impressive stone revetment which which revetted this this later or second phase stone bank, Um, a different different revetment to to, to the first trench but a, a revetment nonetheless. So, the, returning then to the, this year's excavations in 2019, uh, the central aim really was to establish uh, the construction date of the outer rampart. So we're moving our attention to the, to the outer um, uh, rampart. So we concluded that the inner, the inner bank here uh, began with a timber palisade dating the early Neolithic period, then soon after. Um, uh, a, a slight burning event here on the northwestern side, the bank was rebuilt in stone and revetted by a stone uh, uh, revetment. So, we wanted to focus our attention then on the outer enclosure to date that um, section of bank. So, uh, we targeted our excavation, our trench here measured about 11 metres by two and a half metres across, and we targeted this uh, outer bank with. Uh, an indication of an infill ditch. Uh, excavation confirmed that the outer enclosing element comprised a carefully constructed stone bank and ditch arrangement. There was no evidence of a pre-bank palisade um, like trench uh, like uh, the inner enclosure, suggesting that the enclosure uh, was constructed in one phase unlike the, the inner enclosure. So we're still waiting radar carbon dates fa- from this um, section, from these, uh, from this trench. Um, so we, but we do indicate, it, we do suggest that it, it is Neolithic, like the inner enclosure. Uh, so here you can see the bank and ditch arrangement from 2019, the outer in, enclosure. Um, a stone facing here on the on the ledge of the ditch, and an inner revetment also. Um, and the, this revetment was retaining material which is dug from the external ditch, and then the entire material was overlain then with, with the stone bank. So if I just that's the stone bank. If I just go to this slide which would illustrate it better. The basal bank material and uh, comprised, as I said, dump material from uh, from bro- broken stone and bedrock uh, from the digging of an external ditch. And this uh, d- was deposited directly uh, on an old, original old ground surface that survived intact under the bank. Uh, this dump deposit was retained, as I said, by stone facing uh, abutting the, the edge of the ditch while a number of large stone on the inside suggest the presence of another um, revetment. The entire soil component then of the bank was overlain by a large deposit of stone, quarried stone. This wasn't um, subrounded forms, and then additional soil then was deposited on that stone bank, probably from the cleaning out of, of the ditch over time. So here you can see that old ground surface, and uh, just below the bank here, and you can see extending out uh, this blue waxy, uh, waxy material, which we have sampled for environmental remains. The ditch then was cut into the underlying bedrock which was shale and um, the excavated section appeared to represent a ditch terminal. Here you can see the terminal of the ditch. This next slide could be better. So here is the, the terminal. The terminal part just lies just outside the excavation trench but it did appear to be rising in the ditch It was about 1.8 to 2 metres wide and about a metre deep. The the ditch uh, was filled, there was no evidence of recutting in the ditch. Uh, It was filled with a number of of silt deposits and material which we are interpreted as the possible remnant of a counterscarp bank which was levelled into the ditch um, at, at, at a recent stage probably. In terms of, of dating, uh, we, were lucky enough, we were lucky enough to get some artifacts this season. Unfortunately, in trench one, we, we were unlucky. We didn't get, after all that digging, we did get a single find. Um, trench two, we got one possible core, and that was it. Uh, but trench three is where we got the, got the goodies in the third year, really. So we had a small um, pit or shallow depression just here on the inside of the bank, just extending into the excavation trench. And within that, we got we got a silt deposit which was heavily charcoal flecked, and we changed we got uh, the butt end of a broken polished stone axe, and we got a number of lithic finds. Some of them have been identified as possible hollow scrapers, and a possible hone or whetstone. That's not a great slide of it, but and some um, some flint flakes. So we got some some nice finds, and they do indicate um, a, an early Neolithic date for this um, segment of, of the bank, or at least occupation. Or some form of neolithic activity on the inside of the bank. So in terms of dating with this, this bank or this trench, we have retained charcoal samples from the pre-bank surface, we have, ditch, we have charcoal from the base of the ditch and we also have charcoal from this uh, potential pit feature. Additional finds from the trench include a possible hammerstone from the base of the ditch. Uh, we also have two large rounded granite stones, the only rounded stones from the make of the bank which have been interpreted as possible a saddle corn or some grinding stones which we've retained also for analysis. Moving on then to the, the internal occupation or the possible internal o- occupation of the site, um, prior to, to excavation there was an indication of of activity or recorded hut sites within the interior of the site. Uh, James O'Driscoll uh, did a a geophysical survey of the interior. It was disappointing but he did highlight the possibility of some um, uh, possible hut sites. The LIDAR was was more successful um, in in that regard. There was indications of a large amount of cut terraces into the slope on the the southern side of, of the hill fort. And this is where we decided to put in a small trench this season to investigate the possibility of these hut sites. So prior to um, the excavation, the unrecorded potential hut site was evident on the ground as an overgrown circular peat-filled, that was difficult, peat-filled depression f- um, defined by a series of large boulders around eight meters in diameter. You can just about make it out here and this is it on the ground, so on the ground it was a cut terrace defined by a number of large boulders. Here you can see the aerial photo on the site in relation then to the passage tomb which was dug in the 1930s by Walsh. The removal of the piece exposed um, the centre of the platform between the outer line of the boulders here, you can see the outer line of boulders there so we had a heavily compacted stone surface uh, which seemed to be retained uh, by these these large boulders. Um, We had, the stones did not appear to represent, these boulders anyway did not appear to represent walls and there was no um, structural component and uh, and there was no coursing to to these stones um, uh, recorded. Instead, the outer walls um, comprise a single line of large granite boulders that lay directly on this um, surface. Removal of that stony surface revealed um, another redeposited, oxidized um, um, soil with again more large boulders and it seems to have been from the the digging of two large pits. We had a number of flint finds from this surface. Um, These (coughs) large pits were stone lined one particular example was about four and a half metres long, about 80 centimetres deep, filled with some silts at the base but mostly of, of, of stone. Some very large examples uh, were covered from that pit also. In terms of finds, uh, there was one sherd of possible Neolithic pottery it is yet to be identified but is very similar to a sherd that was found at a Neolithic enclosure just over the hill at Hustown. Which is dug by Billy O'Brien so there was one shirt which is found in this very large pit and the rest of those finds were, were recovered from that stony surface there. So while the stone line features were retained within the outer arrangement of the boulders, the true purpose uh, of the site and the activities for which the pits were associated is unclear. What is almost certain however is that the site cannot be interpreted as a hut structure The outer line of boulders could not have functioned as external walls and there were no evidence of internal roof supports, no internal hearts, no occupation and material, and no burning really whatsoever. While the site could be interpreted as a possible robbed out burial cairn complete with internal chambers and an outer curb, this interpretation is equally problematic as there was a complete absence of human remains Um, from from the pits and other diagnostic artefacts that you would expect to find from from sites like that. So, at this stage it is unclear what um, this particular um, site functioned as. It is reminiscent however of a number of recorded internal burial cairns found at the opposite hill at Spines I which has been dated um, um, by Billy O'Brien as early Neolithic also. And these are seven cairns at the interior of the site. And some of those chambers which were which have been robbed out and are exposed are very similar in terms of their structure component to our pits found in our potential hut site. And they're also reminiscent of some of the early chambers found in the uh, passage tomb which was excavated at Watch at the centre of Rackhorn. But again, the jury is, is still out. Until we have some radiocarbon dates anyway. So in terms of of the summary of the site or preliminary interpretations. It can now be established that the prominent hilltop enclosure and highest point of Glass Hill was first enclosed by a timber oak palisade uh, during the early Neolithic. This fence enclosed an area of roughly 7.2 hectares. It appears that the post structure may have been part of a double palisade comprising a single fence with a number of supporting or bracing timbers on the inner side and each of the post holes contains large packing stones um, and also um, there was evidence of possible ramps for the erection of of these posts. It appears that the significant burning event uh, discovered in trench one is localised to this side of the hill fort uh, as is indicated from the geophysical survey. Currently is unclear what, um, whether this fire event was. An act of ritual, or was it an act of warfare, or was it accidental burning? The inner palisade at Rackhorn appears to have been removed and replaced by a substantial stone and earthen bank then at a later stage. Currently, it is unclear uh, when this rebuilding took place, however, it is likely to have occurred soon after the substantial fire event at the northwestern side. Although this is yet to be uh, confirmed, obviously, from the radiocarbon dating. And then further remodeling of the bank may have taken place then in the Late Bronze Age, which may explain the, that one single Bronze Age day we have from the excavations. Now, instead of going on, and I think I better finish because I don't really have enough time to, to continue, but I would like to thank everybody who has worked on the excavations over the last three years the student volunteers, the, the archaeologists want to acknowledge, obviously, the Royal Arch Academy, and the local community who have been absolutely great. The local landowner has been very supportive of our, our of our excavations and continues to be very supportive. Um, I want to thank Wicklow County Council, the archaeology department in UCC, in particular Nick Hogan and Professor William O'Brien, who lended a lot of support um, to me during the excavations. And that's it. Thanks very much.